This podcast is a service of South Canyon Baptist Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. For more information about our church, visit southcanyonbaptist.org. Okay, everyone, I've got about five after, and we have a lot of stuff to get through, so I want to uh, go ahead and get started. How about I just pray for us very quickly, and then we'll uh, just dive right in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love and mercy on us and just pray that you would show your kindness to us as we um, think about how to disciple each other intentionally. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us your word, that you've given us each other. You've given us so many good things so that we might grow in the image and likeness of you. So Father, help us to know that and to see that and to yearn for further likeness in Jesus. We pray that for ourselves, we would uh, desire to pour into other people's lives, and we also pray that we would be receptive to being uh, poured into, that we would be teachable, and that we would be uh, always looking out for how we can become more like Christ and how we can help others do the same as well. Father, thank you for uh, the method and the mode that you've given us through your word uh, to do all these things. And we do all these things not in our own strength, but through Christ who strengthens us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you don't have one of these little handouts, these are going to be really, really helpful. Um, Back behind Bill Dart over there and beside Bill Dart over there as well. Um, There are some handout sheets, so make sure if you don't have one, uh, we can get one to you. Basically, what we're going to do today is over the last three weeks, we've learned kind of three different things. And we're going to run through those things really quickly. And then Brent, Joel, and I are going to show you how we're going to exactly do that if we were in a triad or if we were in a smaller discipling group. And then after that, we're going to have all of you participate in the larger conversation of the second passage that we're going to study. So it's going to be a very practical, very applicable class. Um, Go ahead and get your voices warmed up. Uh, You know, get those frogs out of your throat because you guys are going to be, um, you know, intentionally... Uh, involved this morning, okay? So I've kind of basically just titled this class like putting it all together. We're going to talk about just very briefly, what have we learned over the last three weeks? So the very first week we talked about studying the Bible, but I don't want to start there. I want to start off with just prayer in general. What I would like to do is just say, okay, we're going to start with prayer whenever we get into our groups. And we aren't going to spend a ton of time in prayer. We're going to do just what I did this morning. Just a very brief prayer on, Lord, would you use this time? Lord, would you help us understand and to know your word? Would you speak through your word? Just a very simple prayer or petition that the Lord would be involved in what we're actually doing. Um, I've given you just kind of four bullet points of things that I think are really important that you should ask, maybe before you start uh, discipling and before you start uh, Bible study particularly ask that God would speak through his word, ask that he would make Jesus visible through the text. I think one of the things that um, we often will struggle with, especially whenever we get to the gospel section, one of the things that we struggle with is, well, this, uh, I'm, I'm going through Chronicles right now, so this genealogy in Chronicles has nothing to do with Jesus. Well, um, we need to pray then that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see how it does connect to Christ and how it's important for us to see that even those genealogies with a lot of weird names still uh, are being used so that we might see Christ. Uh, Ask that God would open your eyes to uh, his wonders in the passage. All I simply mean by that is pray that the Lord would just 
give you eyes to see something new that you haven't seen before, maybe a new insight, maybe uh, something that you've forgotten that you can cherish in your heart. And then finally, uh, just ask that he would use this text to make you look more like Jesus. This is the whole point of why we are going to be in these triads and in these discipling groups is so that we become more like Jesus. And then after that, we're just going to simply intake the Bible. You have two different methods or options. I, I personally, I love the coma method. It's context, observation, meaning, and application. And essentially what we're doing is we're just saying, okay, what is going on maybe up to this point in the passage that we've read? Um, in light of what's going to happen after, how should we view the text? Where is this at in the timeline of history? A bunch of different contextual questions you want to ask. Observation, just saying, hey, like, this is what I see in the text. Meaning is gathering up all those observations and saying, okay, um, what is the original intent? What's the main idea that the author was trying to get at? So whenever, I think maybe Brent talked about this, um, whenever uh, we're looking for that main idea or that meaning of a text, what we're going for, and if you want to sound like a seminarian, is authorial intent. What is the intention of the author that wrote the book? Because the intention of the author and the meaning of the author for the original audience is also the same meaning for us. And, but how it differentiates is the application, right? The application is going to look different from context to context. So um, to use a, a very uh, dramatic example, one of the things uh, Paul says he doesn't permit a woman to speak in Scripture. Um, f- some people in different contexts will literally say, okay, this is why women shouldn't speak in church. For other interpreters of Scripture, like uh, South Canyon Baptist Church, we say, okay, that was in a particular context for the reason that there was a lot of uh, disruption going on, and people were speaking over each other, and Paul was trying to create order within the Corinthian church whenever he was uh, telling women to do that. So um, the application is going to be different in different contexts, but the meaning is going to still be the same. Uh, That gets a little fuzzy, I I realize at times, but um, that's why we have each other, to kind of work through those things. Uh, The other method that you can use is the Swedish method. You know, it's a light bulb, a question mark, an arrow. Um, It's the same principle um, as coma. Um, It's just kind of a a sweeter, uh, maybe more palatable way to look at it. And then after we do that in our Bible study, we're going to find or share the gospel within a text. Um, Two methods I want to give you. Uh, One that Joel gave you is uh, what gospel buckets do you see? So, Do you see God, his character, um, how he relates to mankind? Do you see that more um, in the passage? Do you see man, his sinfulness? Who's he accountable to in the passage? Do you see Christ, um, what he's done, what he's accomplished? And then do you see uh, maybe more so a response? How is this uh, furthering our place to put more faith and further repentance in our lives uh, in Jesus Christ? Another way you can do this, and this is a, definitely a little bit more, I would say, theological, but where does this passage fall within the storyline of the Bible? Um, is it pointing toward creation, fall, redemption, or new creation? The only, re- the only reason, personally, I don't like to use that one as much is because, well, like everything up to the gospel accounts is like redemption, technically, in the storyline. But uh, we can look at a story like Ruth, for example, and see, okay, there is uh, a looking forward to redemption. 
uh, in that story. Um, and then we have a greater redemption in Jesus Christ. If you want more information on that, I've got a great book for you. Come and talk to me afterwards, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you more info on that. And then finally, the last thing, uh, I say the last thing you can do, I, I guess I should say not should do, but the last thing you can do is to pray the Bible. And you're going to see Brent, Joel, and I do that. You're just going to look at the passage. I would encourage each person to pray within your small group. And then uh, you can pick out one or two things from the text that stick out and just speak to God, whatever's kind of in your heart in light of reading that text. And then, um, you know, essentially you're just praying whatever comes to mind from that text. It's not um, anything that's going to be, I'm I'm hoping, (laughs) uh, after you've read a text, that it's not going to be anything that's ultimately dishonorable or um, potentially, like, not in God's will. Because if you're praying his word, it's always going to be in his will, right? He spoke it, and so therefore it's, it's good to go. Um, and then finally, just thank God for speaking in his word. This doesn't have to be the only, you know, couple of times that you pray. Maybe before you guys do this, um, you, you commit to say, okay, each of us are going to pray through the text, and then we're going to pause, and then we're going to take some prayer requests from each other, um, and then we're going to pray again after that. I can tell you this, there's no such thing as too much prayer, um, and you'll see that uh, whenever we uh, do the passage. So, with that said, I'm going to invite Joel and Pastor Brent to come up here, and we're just going to work through this first passage in Colossians, um, and we'll see how it goes. We, we have not rehearsed this. This is totally brand new. Um, if I could recommend something, even though uh, I, I don't put this in the recommendations, I would really recommend the book of Mark um, as a great book, or excuse me, uh, I would recommend the book of Colossians as a great book to start off with. Um, in many ways, it's a book that highlights very easy and certain um, things within Scripture, and so just to kind of be aware of that. So I'm going to move the stand really quickly. Okay, fellas. Uh, so imagine we're in Brent's favorite coffee shop, which is Harriet and Oak, probably? Pure Bean? This is being recorded, so I don't know. Yeah, wants that's to say true. That. We love all the, the coffee shops in Rapid City equally. Almost. Um, so we're in our favorite coffee shop. Hey, thanks for meeting with me. If it's with Brent, it's probably at 5 a.m. Um, it's good to meet with you all. Uh, hey, Brent, do you mind just praying for our time this morning? Sure. God, I thank you for this triad. I thank you for these guys and that we have the opportunity to come together to read your word, and to hear you speak to us through your word. And I pray, God, that as we uh, do that, that we would see how it applies to our lives, that we would see how you are leading us toward Christ-likeness and what that looks like. Father, I, I pray that also as we spend this time together, that in the course of conversation and over time, we might become more uh, transparent and Feel free to be more honest with each other about needs and about issues that we struggle with and that we could really bear one another's burdens. So we thank you for this, this gathering together and for this, this time that we could as three be together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Joel, do you mind reading our passage for us, brother? Sure. Yep. So Colossians 3, 1 through 17. This is from the ESV. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, almost, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. There. So I think, you know, just in, this is going to be kind of up to you all, whoever's, I guess, if you will, leading uh, the triad. But whenever I've been in situations like this, most of the time I want to hear people speak. And so what I'll do is just say, hey, guys, I think we should maybe say, each of us, let's just give like two things that really stood out to us uh, and maybe why they stood out to us as we study this. I'll, I'll go first just to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, I think it's really interesting um, how with everything that Paul is saying particularly, um, I, I read all of these, like, if you will, characteristics that he's exhorting Christians to be like. But in a way, he's saying that these are like a present reality that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know why maybe this is mostly sticking out to me like right now, but I think it's because whenever I see the things that Paul's exhorting me to, I just, I struggle with some of those. Like, I am not um, the best person in terms of, uh, let me pick one. There's so many options. Um, anger, right? Like, I, I, it says that those things have been put away, um, and I can put on this new self, but I can now, these things are like present realities. I can say I'm not a person of anger anymore just because those things are a part of the old self. The new self is uh, somebody that uh, has kindness and compassion in their hearts. Um, and that's a present reality for me, uh, and one that I, I guess I continue to grow in. So, why don't one of you two go? I can, I can follow up. Um, to me, at the bit, very beginning of this text, in chapter 3, and at the very end, there are a couple things that I think are pretty important and significant. One, in the first four verses, he talks about the fact that we have been raised with Christ, and he's 
he's referring back, it seems to me, to, the, um, to what he says in chapter 2, where he talks about being made alive with Christ, which speaks of resurrection. But he goes even further here, it seems, in the top of, or at the beginning of chapter 3, because he's talking here about not just being raised from the dead, but being raised to the right hand of God, because that's where Christ is, and we are in him. And that's a phrase that's so significant in Paul's writing, as I've, you know, read and thought about things. He, always, he talks often about being in him, in Christ, abiding in Christ, the idea of our union with Christ. And he's taking that here to say Christ is there, and there's a sense in which we're there. We are already seated in the heavenly places, Paul says in another place, in Christ Jesus. And that's important, um, though we... Our feet are on the earth. There is a sense in which our hearts and our souls and who we really are is united with Christ in heaven. And that's the basis for what he says as he continues when he says, put to death what is earthly in you. So we should put to death what's earthly because we're not earthly anymore. There's a sense in which in Christ we are in the heavenly places. So that's, that's one thing that I think is very significant, that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And then at the very end of the text, I think this is pretty helpful, too. Hold on. Only one observation. Only we want, we, one? Yeah, we'll give you two. See, there will always be people in your group like me who want to talk too much, so I was trying to illustrate that. <laughs> Especially if there's three pastors, and, right? Yeah, <laughs> you'll never have enough time to talk. Uh, and I'm a really bad Bible study leader because I just realized that I totally skipped a whole step that we are supposed to do. Um, if you're doing the Swedish method, Swedish method that's hard to say. Um, this is fine, but I forgot to talk about the context of Colossians. So, uh, Joel, before we get into your observation, would you like to give us maybe just a little bit of contextual information about, um, you know, about the book of Colossians so that our insights are, are made more enhanced? Well, yeah, and I, I mean, Brent already mentioned a little bit how even back in chapter 2, there's that same theme of being alive with Christ and the resurrection that's picked up in chapter 3. Uh, I mean, clearly... The basics, right, would just be this is a letter Paul wrote to a church in Colossae, Colossae and, and so we can understand it as, you know, or a letter that he wrote to a specific group of Christians at a specific time, um, and you can kind of tell sometimes that there's issues they're dealing with, you know, regulations or dietary things or angels, and so, you know, we can understand there's a context there that he's speaking into, and yet this is... Uh, like you said, I mean, it's just so rich with theology and with the gospel and with the Christian life, you know, for all, for all Christians, for all time. And, uh, I mean, yeah, without going into a ton of trying to get into a lot of history of the background of Colossians, because I don't remember all that from the top of my head anyway, and that's okay. Right. And this is where, like, if you have a good study Bible, I would recommend the ESV study Bible for this. You can get some of this contextual information from that book. Um, another thing is that's kind of, I think, important whenever we're thinking about studying a book is where, where does this fall in the timeline of Scripture? So um, this is clearly a New Testament book. Christ is alive. He's been raised from the dead. I mean, all these things are kind of important, especially in light of what Brent said. All, okay, sorry about that, fellas. I, will you guys forgive me on that? Just this once. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, gracious, gracious, gracious. Thank you. Um, Joel, what's, a, what's one thing that stuck out to you, about? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it was, as I was looking at this and reading it, I just, um, I see, like, verse 9 and 10, almost, I mean, Brent was kind of looking at, well, you, you cut him off, sort of. You know, Sorry. 
authoritarian way, but uh, you know, he was talking about the beginning and the end. <laughs> but I just see like the middle here almost being really central to where just in the middle of verse 9, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And just, you know, that's all these things he talks about, you know, what is earthly and, and the things that you once walked in that you must put away, these character um, characteristics like anger and, and slander and so on. Um, and then when he talks about what you should put on, all these, I think that goes all the way down through at least, you know, be thankful in, in verse 15. You see these whole lists of things, and just the reality, which again goes from what, what Brent shared about the opening of the chapter, but just the reality of we have our identity, we have you know who we are in Christ in this rea- this heavenly reality, and then there's kind of like us walking it out. Um, I was thinking of the sometimes the analogies used with Lazarus, like being raised to life, coming out of the tomb, and yet like they had to take the grave clothes off him, right? Like that old self has to be put off. We need each other's help to do that. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Um, and yet there is this reality, like you said, this is true of us, and, but we have to kind of walk that out and grow in it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, I actually think in the Greek, not to get all nerdy on you guys, but I'm pretty sure in the Greek, if then you is a y'all. It's a second person plural. Um, so whenever Paul's talking um, and giving these admonishments and exhortations in this particular passage that we're reading. It's, it's not just given to individuals. It's given to, now since y'all, this church in uh, Colossae, have been raised up with Christ, you all go do these things, um, which is really cool. Okay, um, I'm going to give my second observation. Uh, I, I really love how uh, in verses 16 and 17, and this is something that I've been going through with the youth, um, Paul just kind of breaks down the kind of, I think, modern-day notions of what worship is. Um, it's, you want the Word of God to dwell in you richly, and you do that through um, wisdom. So that's probably learning, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that's why we sing uh, rich content songs here. Um, and we do that with thankfulness in our hearts. And then he just, like, comes in with a wrecking ball and says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so um, it doesn't matter if we're singing, learning, uh, doing a triad, at our job, whatever. It's, it's really interesting to me that Paul doesn't want us to compartmentalize this union with Christ that we have. It doesn't only happen on a certain day, it seems like. What about you, Brent? What was that second observation that I cut you off on? Yeah, the um, last three verses, the thing that stood out to me is all of them talk about thanksgiving. You know, you can look at verse uh, 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, yeah, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Then in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's like just uh, three three verses right in a row that all focus on the need for thanksgiving, and I think that's a very significant thing for us to be intentional about as believers is doing that. Whenever we get in the application part, I want to press in on that a little bit more um, as far as a question, so don't let me forget that I'm going to ask that question. Uh, Joel, what's your uh, final observation, brother? Um, yeah, I mean, I, maybe just piggybacking on what you said, I think 
uh, with, with that, those last couple verses in the application to worship, I think one thing that's interesting is, you know, here he says uh, in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then in all these, you know, kind of actions, teaching, admonishing, singing, I think my, my understanding or kind of even just of the grammar there, those are ways that we do that. Kind of like we talk about the Great Commission. These are all the ways that we make disciples. But th- one of the ways that we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, certainly it's teaching, admonishing, that, that makes a lot of sense. But I think singing is part of how we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So, I mean, two kind of implications of that. One, we want the word of Christ, the gospel, scripture, um, to be really saturating the, the songs that we sing. Um, and then secondly, that I think music is a gift God's given that helps us, like, helps the word dwell in us more richly. Sometimes we remember things that we sing better than things that we just hear spoken, and then it also connects with our hearts or our emotions in a, in a really deep way. So that's always my hope and prayer, you know, as we gather to sing together, that God uses music in that way. It's interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, whenever I taught on the prayer class, um, I used Psalm 23 as kind of my rubric for prayer. But there was kind of this, like, in my head, that Shane and Shane song always kind of running through my head. I can't, I, I don't even want to try uh, because I don't want to make people's ears bleed. I still want you to be able to hear for uh, Brent's preaching later. So, okay, yeah, hey, great job, guys. Um, okay, from one of us, who would like to say, okay, like, this is what I think the main idea or the meaning or, like, this is what the author was, was trying to get across in this particular passage? I think I would say that we are to live our lives with the understanding that we are united with Christ above and therefore not to be characterized by the things that are below. Just generally that we're to have a, a, that kind of perspective because of our union with Christ. And again, as we've said before, we grow in these ways, but we're not growing from what we are to something we aren't when we grow in these ways. We are growing from where we are into what we really are also because of Christ and because of our union with Christ. That this, is, this is our identity, this is our destiny, and therefore we, we live into that is what I think is being said. Joel, you look like you were going to say something. Do you want to say something? No, I mean, no, I think that I, I really like that. I think that's, that's really um, right on. I was just thinking as you were talking where he talks in verse 10 about being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, like that image of God that's in, that's in us, and then through the gospel, through the, the, the new creation, that's being restored, you know, to its full, you know, realization, God's purpose for that in us. And so it's, it's what's already there, what God, you know, births in us through the gospel, and then just allowing it to really come to full fruition. Yeah, this image that was once marred is now, it's, it's, been, it's regenerated, right? That's, that's the cool thing. I, I, whenever, so I use this text often to kind of teach how to do this Bible study method. And I always say, don't let, don't be afraid to kind of let the text show you what the main idea is. I think three verse one is kind of just the, the, hey, this is the thesis statement. This is what I'm going to be getting after in light of the rest of the passage. So if you, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, see that the right hand of God. I mean, if, you guys probably have heard me preach. It's always like, I read the passage. Here's the main idea of my two bullet points. But like, th- this would be it. The main idea of this passage is three verse one. And uh, my two points are, you've been raised with Christ. 
seek the things that are above with Christ. That it would just be literally simply that. Good old fashioned just Tanner rubric for preaching. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, how about this? How about each of us just give an application, like in light of um, in light of this passage? And Brent, I actually want to start with you just because of one of the observations um, that they made. And so ultimately, what we're doing here in application is how do we bring that main idea out to flesh, out to life in 21st century Rapid City? Or, um, you know, how can we use this just every day in our lives? And so, Brent, you hit on, in verses 15, 16, and 17, just these three exhortations to be thankful. And so, maybe my application question is, why, why is it that Paul has to tell us that three times in a row? I think it's because it's not our nature. Even though we have a new nature, our old nature still continues to cause us to be so focused on what's not going well and what's not happening that we might want to happen that we need to be reminded of what we have in Christ, and we need to remind ourselves by giving thanks regularly. And I, I, I just think one way we can do this is to, I mean, quite often in the rest of scriptures you see the psalmist talking about morning, noon, and night, and other kind of things, morning and evening. I think it's not a bad idea for, for us to, especially as we're trying to begin to apply this more completely in our lives, is to establish maybe a certain set of times that we're going to intentionally do this, and then that'll help us be, remember it more and do it more even in between those times. So I think that would be a very practical way to approach what's being said here, you know, that I might, if I saw this for the first time and was trying to think, okay, how do I do this? Okay, I'm going to do this the first thing in the morning, I'm going to do this the last thing at night, and maybe even during my lunch break I'm going to be able to get away for a few minutes. And again, you don't have to get away to do this, this is something that we could be doing in our head even when we're doing other things. And, if, and he talks about this elsewhere, you know, that we're to give thanks in all circumstances and so forth. That's a really good application. Thanks, Brent. Joel, what about you? Yeah, I think I might just say, I'm just really going to come in on that same one. And just So a, a brother in Christ had recently kind of encouraged or challenged me to, to try to you know, be doing some journaling and to, at the end of the day, as, you know, as often as possible, try to actually write down just a, a few things, like maybe three things, that you're thankful for, you know, in this day. And, you know, I haven't been able to do that 100%, you know, without fail. But I've, several times in the last week, and I just found it so helpful to, to do the, the, sometimes the work of thinking, okay, what would be three things from this day that I really could, could latch onto and actually put down, you know, type it out or put it on paper. Uh, and yet it's just so, it's so good to just think, oh, God, you know, thank you. You're, you're so gracious, you're so kind, and, and just these different things that I can be thankful for. But again, you, you have to be intentional because you actually have to think, and you, you know, we tend to, we can get focused on the things that are discouraging, or oh, you know, this was kind of a rough day, but there's always things that we can, you know, be thankful for. And it doesn't have to just be like big picture, like, oh, God saved me, but like specific, you know, instances of grace in our lives. And I just see how healthy that is to try to be doing that. I want to try to continue. I think kind of in light of that, too, it seems like um, with the old self, a lot of the stuff that happens from keeping on the old self causes a lot of disruption and disunity within the body. Because I think that's another thing we have to kind of remind ourselves of as well is that at, at, since this you know, book is written to a whole church, um, you know, he's telling them, put away anger, malice wrath and obscene talk from your mouth, don't lie to one another. It seems like all these particular thi things, they are um, culprits of disunity 
within the body of Christ. And then he says, if you put on these things, ultimately these are going to kind of bind us all together in love. So instead of having malice toward each other, he exhorts us to forgive. And so I think, you know, just for me practically, okay, it's how do I, you know, seek and how do I yearn for the unity of my church? Um, you know, if I, uh, I'm trying to give an arbitrary reason why I might disagree with the church. Let's say uh, the associate pastor over youth ministry uh, makes a poor decision on something uh, of a nature that's big. I don't know what that would be, but let's say he does that. Um, it's one of those deals that's like, okay, instead of kind of my default reaction um, is like, okay, I'm going to be accusatory of him and I'm going to um, say, hey, you did this, this, and this wrong. Maybe I, like, I'm going to try to seek out unity and understanding of, hey, why did you make this decision or not? I'm not saying that uh, because this is actually, this is not actually a, a true thing. I'm just saying that in general. Like, I think we need to seek the welfare and the unity of the church. It's a really important thing because if we don't, that may be evidence that we haven't put on the new self. Great. Any other applications you're like, hey, we definitely should talk about this? The only one I thought of just now as I was looking at this again in verse, um, this is so small, verse 10, um, that you've put on the new self, he says, which is being renewed, as you were saying, in knowledge after the image of its creator. And I just think the phrase in knowledge is kind of significant too, that it's in knowledge as we're growing in knowledge, that, that this image that we have now, this new self, it's going to be more and more uh, evidenced in our lives. It's going to be more and more um, real to us as we are growing in knowledge. And again, that goes back to the knowledge of God's Word and continuing to study and pray and learn, listen. Yeah, it seems like for him, if the mind is renewed, if the head is renewed with, you know, this good knowledge, that seems to trickle down into our heart, into the members of our body. Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, um, how about just one of us does this for the sake of time? Um, who would like, if you were sitting with somebody at a coffee shop, not the one that we're currently at, but if you were at a coffee shop and you were wanting to share the gospel with somebody, you know, which route would you take that, maybe which gospel bucket do you see, and how would you share the gospel from that? I think, yeah, I'm, I'm a little torn between, uh, well, whether I was using gospel buckets or storyline of the Bible. If I was using storyline of the Bible, I think I see the new creation, like, is, is beginning here, right? It's, it's, it's uh, you know, the kingdom has broken in, and there's, there's this new creation. So, I mean, that could be really compelling. Uh, I, I guess maybe I would, yeah, I guess that, that would probably be, I think that would probably be a good way to go. You could also go with response, kind of our response, and just continuing to live out our faith in, in sanctification. But yeah, I think you could, you could tell, you could talk about God's creation and how it was perfect, you know, and man was, you know, man and woman created in the image of God to, to love each other and to worship him, and, and then talk about the fall, talk about our sin, and then God's promise of redemption that's seen throughout, you know, his, you know, the history, history of the world, the history that's laid out in, in scripture, and then fulfilling all those promises with the coming of Christ, and then, you know, with Christ's death and resurrection, that this, this new creation has broken in to, you know, to our world, and now, you know, those who put their faith in Christ have this new creation, not fully, not fully realized, none of us are fully 
you know, exhibiting all the new creation that we, you know, that we will one day in our glorified state, and yet it's, it's there, and it's, and it's um, something that we all should, should try to get in on that, because that's what, you know, that's what we were made for, that's what will truly um, fulfill our purpose, give us peace and joy and, and eternal life and, and reconciled relationship with, with the Father. So you're saying my best life is now? No. <laughs> <laughs> it can begin now, though. New creation will be there, right. but things will be really hard, but it'll continue to grow. Good, good, yeah. Okay, um, just for the sake of time, uh, Brent, if you don't mind, do you mind just leading us in prayer over a couple of things that come to mind from the passage and, and just leading us in that way? Sure. Father, thank you for this text, for this opportunity to think through and uh, think about this passage, and I, I pray, God, that you would help us, um, help us to be thankful, help us to be intentional, um, help us to be people who are regularly offering up our thanks to you for what you've done for us in Christ and for what we have to look forward to, this new creation that's coming, but also for the specifics of uh, our daily lives for the for the grace that we see the kindness the the good things that you allow us to enjoy that that are grace for us in this world and in the state that we're in so we know that every good and perfect gift comes down from you and so we pray that you'd help us to see that that we would look up the sunbeam uh, and see the sun the source and as we enjoy so many sunbeams so many good meals and so many good friends and different things like that that are just blessings um, that are good things. Help us to know that they come from you and help us to, to trace the sunbeam back up to the sun and to see you as the sun who is the source of these things that we enjoy. So help us to be thankful, God. Amen. Thank you, brother. So at this point, you can always say, hey, like, guys, how was your week? Um, you know, spend some time. And then maybe you want to do that at the front end. Hey, how was your week? How can we be praying? And just pray through that at the beginning. It's really going to be up to you as the leader. Um, and so typically, that's probably what I would encourage people to do. Yeah. The second thing, um, I want to say this. For any life group leaders in the room, uh, if you are struggling uh, to get a little bit of conversation going within your life group, this, the, what we just did, you can apply to your whole life group. So if you're a life group leader, don't be afraid to say, hey, what do you see in the text that sticks out to you? And make them explain that and talk through that. So um, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're in a life group um, and you're doing this over the sermon passage, that's a great tool to use. Um, this doesn't have to be limited just to try the method that we just did with coma, with sharing the gospel. Um, those gospel questions, or excuse me, not those gospel questions, those sermon discussion questions that Brent gives are, are helpful. Um, I would encourage you to read through those, but maybe just to get um, things primed, this may be the way that you want to start. So, okay. Um, in light of a couple of different things, next week we're going to be starting our services at 10 a.m., so that's just a reminder to everybody for that. Um, but second thing, we're going to be starting in the Psalms next week, and so what I would like to do is actually lead all of us in what we just did um, through our Psalm that we're going to be going through. So maybe one of the things that you want to do um, to be a more expositional listener, as the B.D. Onion Wheelay uh, says in Nine Marks of a Healthy Church Member, it, maybe one of the things that you want to do is in your triad or in your small group is to basically read the passage that 
whoever's going to be preaching ahead of time. We'll try to get that stuff out out to you. I mean, we have it already planned, so we can very easily get that to you all. Um, But maybe that's what you guys would want to do. So what we're going to do is actually um, help Brent study uh, for his passage uh, for uh, this upcoming week in Psalm 56. So how about this? I'm just going to pray for all of us, um, and then I'm just going to lead uh, what we just did with us three, with all of us in here. So uh, everybody be ready for that. So let me pray for us just very quickly. God, we're thankful again for your word, and we're thankful that you speak to us. And so, God, we ask that you would speak again, that we would hear from you. And, Lord, more than that, that we would um, see Jesus and that we would become more like him in light of uh, this passage. And so, Father, we pray that you would just help us uh, know Jesus and to seek Jesus uh, in this time. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Amen. It is Psalm, it is Psalm 56, right, that I chose? Okay, good. Uh, so let me just read this, and then um, I'll, I'll give some, some contextual things just so that way we aren't having to spend a ton of time for this. Okay, Psalm 56, to the choir master, according to the dove on far-off terebinths, a midcom of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause, and all their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So ultimately, what we know about this is this is a psalm written by David uh, in a very hard time in his life. It says in the, in the title, this is actually in the Hebrew manuscripts, when the Philistines has, had seized David in Gath. And I'm not exactly sure, Brent, maybe do you know the timeline of, is he a king at this point? I think he is. Okay. So, um, yeah, he's just in a really, like, tough spot of life, and he writes this song. He has this song in his heart that he writes for the people of God, um, and and it's given to us. And so, ultimately, that's kind of what we need to know contextually, that this is a a psalm that was written by David in a time uh, where his life was was not super easy. So, in light of that, how about um, I would like four people just to tell me, hey, this is what stuck out to me. Uh, in the text. And me and Joel will run around and, and let you do that. So raise your hand if you want to do that. First observation. Shay, go for it. Um, I think kind of based off of what we were just talking about before, he ends it saying, I will give thanks offerings um, for you've delivered my soul. I mean, I think you just see that here. I think I hadn't really thought about it until we talked about it the last scripture, but that's what sets us apart is being able to be find Thanksgiving in really hard times, and clearly he's going through a very hard time. So, 
the this makes me think of uh, us today in this world we live in this whole you know we're being uh, challenged and threatened all day and uh, are we have to remember that our trust is in God in God alone two more people Yeah, I just think, um, as I'm reading through the text here, uh, I see more than once where he says, uh, what can man do to me? And, you know, it's sort of like uh, going back to that scripture, like, you know, God is for me. Who can be against me? It's like, man, that's trusting in the Lord big time. So, I mean, that stuck out to me. Yeah, can I get one more person to give an observation, something that really stuck out to them and why that stuck out to them? Thanks, Joel. In so many of David's psalms, he starts off with doom and gloom and ends in praise. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I always love about the psalms is the way, the way he starts off with everything is against me, but God is for me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's interesting, particularly in this passage, right? It's like, I think, Shay, this is what you're getting at as well. It's life is really hard, but I'm going to begin this thought that I have in this prayer, really, to God as well with praise uh, to God. Good. Okay. Um, so we've given four observations. Does anybody else like really like say, hey, like this needs to be said about this text. This is something that sticks out before I move on kind of to the next piece. Hold on, Nancy. Hold on. Nope, nope, nope. You do because this is for the whole church. I just think we have to remember that the situations around us are smaller compared to how big our God is. He is so big, so we have to be careful with our fear and not to let the situations around us attack us to the point where we give up on a big God and to be thankful for his faithfulness to us in all things. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, anybody else uh, before we kind of get into the meaning or main idea for this? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some, somebody. Oh, okay, go for it. I'm coming to you. I think the um, verse 8 about putting our tears in a bottle and recording them in his book, I just think that is such a powerful image of our God and his care and his love for us. So. Yeah, the, the words of God here, even though he petitions God, I think this is what kind of the interesting contrast is he's saying to the people that are against God, destroy them, Right. Cast them away. When are you going to do that? But also his disposition toward those who place their trust in him is so tender and so sweet. Yeah, great observation. Okay, so we've, I think, done a good job of just saying, hey, this is what stuck out to us. This is, you know, what I see, you know, helping me in terms of uh, understanding the text more. In light of that, we would then want to say, okay, what is David's kind of thrust? What is he going after in this text? What's the main idea? And I've actually asked Tanner Thomas to uh, give us a main idea um, for the passage. So I'm going to run over to you for this mic. And what's, uh, what's David trying to get at here, Tanner? Yeah, well, I guess it seems to me re re really what everybody sort of already said just um, in the world, you know, today where we live, there's, there's um, hard things. And the, the, the humans all around us really exacerbate that, uh, make things hard. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a God that we can put our trust in. And I really... 
um, like verse 8 as well. I'm not sure if I should use this for the main idea or not, but I know there's times where we sometimes think, you know, you hear the hymn, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one. And, you know, I think sometimes that makes us think, you know, when we come upon hard times, we always need to look to the positive. We need to see the bright side. And, uh, you know, if we're Christians, then we shouldn't be discouraged. We shouldn't be depressed and things like that. But really, this sort of makes me think about the uh, Psalms of Lament that we had actually uh, preached through a few years ago where, you know, it's okay to to acknowledge <laughs> the hard things in life. And I think God wants us to bring those things to him. It says here that he, that he already, um, you know, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? God already knows about the, the things, so if we sometimes pretend as if they're not there, as you know, I'm going to just look, look on, the, on the bright side, that's almost not being honest with yourself or with God. He already knows the things you're going through, and it's a good thing to pour those out to Him, you know. Um, so yeah, I guess once again, the main idea, that might be way, way all over the place, but just um, life is going to be hard, but just put your trust in God and and pour out those things to him. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the thrust is, you know, despite all the tough things that are going on, we can ask for the Lord's help. Um, I think that's the, the thing is we are so storm-tossed, we, we cry, we have all these pains in our lives, and yet we have a God who desires to hear from us and to cry out to him. What a sweet, sweet thing. Okay, in light of that, let's make three applications, just either directly from the text or, um, you know, just from that main idea that kind of Tanner was getting across. So, um, and, and whenever I ask for applications, I want you to be really practical. How can you do that maybe this week or this month, okay? So, Derek, I saw you raise your hand. I'll start with you, brother. Um, to me, this almost, like, well, a lot of what David, the way he writes, it's almost like a journal entry, you know, and kind of talking to yourself, and it's okay to line out your struggles and talk about what is happening, kind of like Tanner said, and almost physically reminding yourself that God is in control, that he's for you, man can do nothing, um, and being thankful overall. And so I think that's something we could literally do either in a journal or just in our head. But, um, yeah, to although you're afraid and there's things in life that are going to be um, making you afraid and coming against you to remind yourself that God is for you and that you need to be thankful either way. So maybe uh, to get like uber practical, maybe something that Derek is exhorting us to do is, hey, for every like struggle that we have, be honest, write down that struggle and then write three biblical truths um, that say this is what God says about these things. That struggle is very real, but also how does God speak into that struggle or that um, that fear or whatever that we're going through. Good. Okay. Kathy. Mine's very simple. It's just we just have to remember we are not alone. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so hold on, Kathy. I want you to hold on to that mic. Kathy, how do you remind yourself that God is with you? Well, um, it's, it's just keep your mind and your heart focused on God. Keep your eyes in the Bible, yeah. your heart in the Bible. And just live your life to the fullest that God would want you, wants you to do. I mean, always keep him first. Yeah. Get, set your priorities straight. 
Yeah, it's almost like uh, what Paul exhorts the readers in Colossians. If we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, whatever kind of the waves of sorrow and the, the waves of uh, humiliation and um, just suffering come, we can say, okay, like I'm holding on to kind of this anchor that um, is always going to be with me. I'm not, you know, rudderless, if you will, uh, on the sea. Okay, uh, last application. I, I, I saw the preemptive hand. I'm coming to you, Albert Hatchett. So I like the, um, verse 13 at the very end, it says, For you delivered me from death, even uh, my feet from stumbling to walk before God in the light of life. Um, kind of echoing what everybody else has said here, but um, the Lord has saved us from our sin, our spiritual death. And it doesn't matter, like David here is fighting for his life, um, which is something we don't really get to experience here in the USA, but it doesn't mean our problems and stuff that we experience are any less um, so I think you just try to remember as we go through a tough week, a tough day, um, that the Lord has saved us uh, from the spirit, our spiritual condition, which in comparison to what we're going through um, is nil in some ways. Um, so, Yeah, we've been saved from our uh, biggest enemy, and so therefore we can trust that he's going to deliver us from all the uh, seemingly smaller ones. Okay, um, I'm going to have Joel run the mic to one person. Let's say you're in your group, or maybe you're in a group where uh, there's a person that you know uh, you want them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. How are you bringing the gospel to them in light of this passage? Are you seeing God? Are you seeing man? Christ's response. Just kind of talk me through that, uh, if you could. Albert kind of gave you a, a good rubric just to kind of let you know that. Um, but is there anybody else that, you know, says, hey, like, this is how I would share the gospel from this passage? And if nobody raises their hand, as uh, my young adult and college group will know, I will just call on somebody. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, Ken Schaefer, do you, just show me how you would share the gospel from this text, brother. Because, uh, because David goes on so much about how he feels overwhelmed and people are against him and life is tough, um, I, would, I would relate that to man's condition and say, we are all kind of oppressed. Things don't go well. We are all sinners because life is not perfect. But look at how he relies on God. There is a hope. There is an answer. There is a, uh, uh, an anchor and a lifeline thrown to us through Christ who gives us this hope for a better future, not because of what's going on right now with us, not because of what's in us, and not because of what's coming at us, but because of who he is and the promises he has made can lift us out of these doldrums. And even at the end of, of, the, um, of the psalm, uh, David says, I must give thanksgiving. I, I love the word must. He is compelled to give thanks, thanksgiving because all that God has done and will do for him. And so I would hold out to a non-believer the hope that we have in Christ, that there is a better tomorrow that Christ can lift us out of our doldrums, that life as we know it isn't all that it is, that there's something better to look forward to, and Christ is the answer. So that's how I would angle it. We must respond in faith and repentance, right? Yeah, great. Yeah, I love that too. Even just thinking of how in the, that psalm it says, you know, God is for me, and like, how could God be for us? You know, but we look to Romans 8, you know, God is for us because of the love of Christ, because of the gospel, so... I don't want to take up too much of our time. We've already gone over time. So after this, normally you'd pray the text, take some prayer requests, go through that. You guys have done a great job in doing that. And I mean, the time literally just flies by whenever you do this stuff. So um, 
you might make sure that you're disciplined with your uh, time, because uh, I'm not as a pastor at times. So, um, in light of that, I just want to give, I know, I know we're creeping in. Uh, if you have any questions, I want to be able to answer those about triads just right now. Any questions whatsoever about triads or anything like that? Okay, seeing none, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, pray for us really quickly. If you do have questions, come talk to Brent, Joel, or I. We'd be happy to answer them, and uh, we hope that you will have a wonderful rest of your day, and especially as we worship. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word, and thank you for all the things that we can mine out of it and, and how you do speak to us. Lord, what a gift that we um, do not have a God that is silent. We have a God that has spoken to us through his word and, and, more importantly, through the living word in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray that you would just help us um, see that and know that and to cherish it in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't have a copy of one-to-one Bible reading, I really recommend you get one of those. Uh, and come and talk to me if you need one of those. This podcast has been a service of South Canyon Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this production has been an encouragement to you. May God bless you.